Hello, welcome back to episode two of the Property Empress podcast. Hello. My name is Richard, this is Anna, and today we're going to be talking about why property is such a brilliant investment and also why anybody can get involved in property if they want to. So I know Anna has got a ton to say about this. Uh, <laughs> yep, as always, I have a lot to say. Um, so we're going to just jump straight into it. And again, being as the, the non-investor here, learning everything, explain to me why property is a brilliant investment. Well, so the for me, I always go back to Rich Dad Poor Dad because that was what got me started. And basically, the the reason that property is such a good investment is the fact that it mainly is passive income. So if you buy a property and rent it out, the money comes in every month. Assuming it's done in the right way, you've got, you know, tenants and whatnot, which we'll, I'm sure we'll cover at some point later in the podcast. Um, but assuming you're, you've bought property, you've rented it out, it brings this income in every month and you're not actually working for it. So you do the hard work at the start and then the money just comes in every month and it's set up from the start to be passive. There is a, an element of management, but it's really minimal compared to a lot of other investments. Um, but the beauty of passive income is it frees up your time. So whereas if you had a job or if you're self-employed and it's linked, the money and the income is linked to your own time and what you're doing. And if you're not working, you're not earning effectively. And um, the beauty of this is that actually you can get a property up and running, get the passive income and then buy another one and then buy another one. So you're not limited really in terms of your income, but also it frees up your time to do other things. So it's also really nice for uh, multiple income streams. So for a lot of people who are self-employed or who are employed, their time is spent at work. So they don't have time to create other income streams um, and they need to be focusing on what they're doing. Otherwise they're not earning and they're not able to pay their bills. So the passive income is the most powerful part of it. And then <laughs> you chuck in <laughs> oh. the capital appreciation. So you could buy a property or you could buy a few properties and have enough income that's coming in to cover your basic living costs. This is just talking about Joe Blogs. This isn't talking about millionaires or anything, but you could buy a property, the money's coming in, you could build enough that's covering your basic living costs and then, or salary replacement, you know, if you're looking to, to leave your job. But the nice thing about that is you've got the lovely income, but then in the background, you've got the equity building because in the UK historically, and this is very average, is based on land registry uh, uh, prices, like average UK house prices. Property prices double every seven to 10 years over the long run, historically on average in the UK. So if you were to buy a property now for 100 grand, then in theory, in 10 years time, there's a good chance that it will be double the price. So if you bought it for 100 grand, bearing in mind you're probably using mortgages, so you've used 25 grand now to buy a 100 grand property in 10 years time, that property could well be worth 200 grand. So you've made 100 grand profit from your 25 grand investment. Wow over 10 years. <laughs> okay. So you have the passive income coming in and you've got the capital appreciation and you just don't get that with any anything else. So people, I'm going into it, Richard, are you right? Uh, no, no, <laughs> Do you no, have no, any I, questions? No. <laughs> Stop with your questions. <laughs> I, but no people second. say, well, what if prices crash? What if you can't get tenants? And these are fears and risks, risks you can mitigate. So for example, 
this idea that oh you know properties don't it's not a linear thing there's price crashes it doesn't always happen it's like okay so yeah say maybe it doesn't double in value say only quote unquote Mm -hmm. goes up by 50 percent. that's still 50 grand (laughs) i'll take it but the idea of the price crashing, there's actually only been in the, again, the history of price data since the 60s, which isn't an overly long amount of time, really. But since the 60s, we've had two price drops in the 80s where they put interest rates up to 15%. So there was a big contraction uh, in the market and prices dropped. And the same thing in 2007, when we had the credit crunch and the banks went under and we had this, you know, obviously this recession yeah. and the prices dropped. But the prices drops and then they, they, what they do is they drop and then they recover slightly and then they plateau. And they, uh, it was around, te- again, on average, around 10% drop. Um, in price so if you're buying say you bought your property and say then we have this you know a similar thing to those two in the history so in the last 60 years it's happened twice you know say we happen to then the prices drop it's a 10 percent drop so right. you're not wiping you're not even losing all your investment you maybe have and the only crystallizes if you then sell the house but you might potentially drop your so say you've bought the 100 grand property and it drops by 10 percent. your 25 grand is now 15 grand investment in this property if you sell if you sell it this is but obviously properties long-term investment if you keep it in prices do eventually recover so Maybe in 10 years, you don't make the, you know, 100 grand profit. Maybe it drops and it plateaus for a while. Maybe in 10 years, you've, you know, it's gone back to what it was. But then it's going to go up because, you know, the long term average is seven to 10 years. So you're likely to then see a big uplift afterwards. So people's main arguments is the prices drop. It's like, well, actually, when you look at the the data and the the history of what has happened, you're unlikely to go into negative, negative equity. And also you've got the cash flow coming anyway. For me, yeah. the cash appreciation is a nice secondary savings that's being built up. For me, it's the cash flow. Prices dropping doesn't change the cash flow at all. So, um, and then the other thing is with the tenants as well. People obviously say, well, what if the tenants, you know, you have problems with the tenants? And that's a whole other podcast episode. But basically <laughs> done in the right way, you shouldn't really have voids. Our tenants are long-term dream tenants. They're not perfect. Sometimes they struggle to pay their rent. Sometimes, you know, there's there's stuff that comes up. But overall, our tenants stay. I mean, we've just had a tenant, well, a few months ago, had a tenant move out. They'd been with us for nine years. You know, we had another tenant move out before that quite a while ago. They'd been with us for... I think eight years we have, and these, this is like, these are a rare occurrence that a tenant moves out and they've moved out after like eight and nine years. So done in the right way, you can have consistent tenants, uh, no voids pretty much. And, um, and they look after the houses. So it can be done in the right way. It can be done the wrong way, a complete nightmare investment (laughs) done the right way. It's a brilliant investment. And you can choose an area in the UK. You can go further north and get better cash flow, not so much capital appreciation. Mm-hmm. On average, this actually doesn't yeah. apply at the moment. The pandemic has skewed things slightly. Okay. But the long-term trend, go further north for cash flow, roughly. Go further south for capital appreciation. So if you're more about the uplift, go further south. If you're more about the cash flow, go further north. Or do what we do and go to the Midlands, get a bit of both, no. <laughs> basically. Oh, wow, okay, so... <laughs> Uh, hang Sorry. On. Let me just think. I feel like I've obviously <laughs> since our last episode, I've been like, I'm ready to talk about this, Richard. I've got more. I've got more to say. <laughs> okay, so that all sounds. And do you know what? I, I, even though I don't invest, I understand that whole premise. And again, because I've read so much, you know, I've read everything there is to read. Um, but even for me, so 
that sounds wonderful. Okay, everybody in the world should be doing this. Okay, it's clearly it's a brilliant idea. Why are there not more people doing it? What, what is the hurdle? What is the main hurdle that people seem to have? Because, like I said, everything sounds wonderful. It totally makes sense. So why haven't I or anybody else listening? Why are we not just doing it then? So. I feel like you're better qualified to answer this question, Richard. Why are you not doing what? it? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh... And I mean that with so much love. Like, I'm re- I'm very happy to share what I feel, but I would love to know if you know all this and you've read the books and you get the concept, <laughs> what is it that's stopping you from doing this? I think, okay. I think it's, um, I don't want to say knowledge, because, again, I understand how this all works. I understand <laughs> everything, but I don't know where to go. I think that is probably the yeah. thing. It's like okay, so so for right now, we are we are we are interested in long term investments for mm. us. Um, but I do also want cash flow because I do want to be out of my job, as we've spoken on the last episode. So long term investments, we do want to we do want to keep the properties. We don't we're not massively interested in flipping, though. If we want to do some flipping just to raise some funds, I understand that's a good idea. That's no problem. But where do we go? Like we've got some, we've got a little bit of savings now. We know a few, just a few thousand, five, six thousands at the minute. And it's like, okay, do we just wait until that gets to 20, 25 and then start looking? Um, that's the problem. We're in this sort of weird limbo of wh- what do we do? And then you start thinking, okay, so in two years we'll have the money. And then are we going to be hitting the top of that bubble? And we're like, oh, hang on, is that the best time to buy? But if you're buying for long term, it doesn't matter yeah. so much. It's just like, that's the, there you go. That is the answer. That's why we That is exactly the answer. Yes. No, what I was going to say, which kind of is similar, is one, people think that, that they need to have the money and they, or they don't have the money and they mm-hmm. think money, money is the barrier. I don't have the money. I can't invest. You have to have loads of money to invest in property. Yes. And particularly the idea of, you know, I've said, uh, get a few properties to build you you know you can keep building your passive income for salary replacement very rarely can someone buy one property and then they can leave their job which is what most people tend to be looking for except if you're 19 I spoke to a 19 year old yesterday and literally one property would in fact it wouldn't be a salary replacement but it would cover his basic living costs so oh, unless you're 19 and your living days. costs are less than 400 well yes yeah, about 400 pounds a month um, but yeah, usually it's like, well, I ha- potentially have enough for either a deposit or a part of a deposit, but then that'll get me one house, then what? So yeah, money can be a massive barrier. People think you need money. And just for the record, we had no money. We had loads of debt when we started. So it's definitely possible. I'm living proof that you can do it without having a, a penny to your name. And you're absolutely right. It's that it's the, you can understand it. The analogy that comes to mind, and I use this a lot, is it's like telling someone how to drive a car, giving them the theory of how you drive a car and you push the, even if it's an automatic, Mm -hmm. but the idea is, you know, you push the pedal and you move the gear stick. You you can tell someone, they can understand it intellectually, putting it into practice a whole different thing because it's a very it is a very emotional thing and you you and basically as you're dealing with like estate agents who can be very <laughs> slick sales people like yeah. if you're completely new to it you don't necessarily know how to do it, what to do so i totally hear you and having so and obviously because i do my bicep courses i've had on my bicep course one of the students had their off their first offer accepted yesterday oh wow amazing. which is really exciting very cool. 
But what the process has been, and this is the final week, this is the sixth week, what the process has been is every step of the way, he's been checking in with me, asking me, we've done the numbers together. So he has someone guiding him along his journey, giving yeah. him focus. The first thing, and it occurred to me when you were talking, is the first thing is to have the clarity of what you're trying to create. It's very easy to get distracted, particularly again, particularly when you're talking to estate agents and then suddenly they're showing you an HMO or they're showing you a flip mm. and your strategy is vital alerts. It can be really easy to get off track. So by working with, particularly with someone like myself, getting really clear on what you're trying to create, what's your primary objective? What are you trying to create? Are you trying to leave your job? You, have you got money to invest? Do you want to get like this 19 year old wants to go traveling, wants to create an income? Love working with teenagers. Um, <laughs> but be clear on what you want your life to be like and yeah. then find the strategy that will support that. Like the property is a tool. Once you have that clear and you have your plan. So for example, for you, Richard, it, it would be, I'd be talking to you about what's your basic living costs? Mm-hmm. What's your salary replacement? would you be comfortable leaving your job once you can cover your bills and yes. whatnot <laughs> yeah yes 100 yes yes, yes. Uh, to be honest i would have been as well i didn't have the. Ch- i was made redundant so i didn't have the chance but i definitely as soon as i could have le- left i would have left because once you have more time you can build the property quicker um but yeah so once you have the clarity and focus of what you're trying to do um then it's much more straightforward so sometimes that's all people need they need they can they have the plan they they get what they're doing and then they can kind of put it into practice but even like yesterday with this chap on my bicep course he messaged me saying you know he's had the offer accepted which is really exciting we'd gone through the numbers anyway he wants to nail them down so we're going to have a conversation today but he did also say that the estate agent is leaving the property on the market until he has the valuation done so it's basically until they're absolutely sure that he can get the mortgage and I went back to him and I said no 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 very cheeky this day agent yeah. because if you're putting your money where your mouth is and you're doing the valuation they need to take it off the market there once the offer's been accepted it should be off the market there should be yeah. he said it, that they're not doing viewings but they're booking them in so no. basically they're getting it ready in case he can't get the lending and I said no it doesn't work like that I'm sorry yeah um so we've talked about it and it's up to him entirely if he doesn't want to do it he doesn't have to do it but I have said to him I would really go back to them and say if you've accepted the offer it's coming off the market no bookings no viewings it's yeah. my property I'm spending money on it I don't want to feel like you're you know yeah, getting ready you. to sell yeah, yeah. someone else yeah, and pressure, exactly. So, and he's already said they're trying to rush it. And I'm like, you are not to be rushed. Like this, there's no reason for them to rush you. you they've ex- you've accepted an offer. There's no reason for them not to trust you. Yeah. So, but it's having, he doesn't know. It's these little, you know, quirks. He doesn't know. So working with someone like me, I can be like, no, no, no. Like that's not, that's not okay. Yeah. Um, so absolutely having, having someone that can guide you through the process that's been, along that journey before you <clears throat> is a massive help so yeah 100% agree that it's the know-how um, and the money is a big factor and the other thing I was going to suggest which might not be on your radar mm-hmm. um, it almost certainly will be something but it's not something that people tend to think about because people think of the practical I don't know how to do it I don't have the money to do it but actually there's the inner stuff there's the fear because I alluded briefly to risk and fear. Risk is I might not get a tenant, so we mitigate the risk. Or to be honest, risk for me is that interest rates might go up, so we get you know fixed interest mortgages. Mm -hmm. So there are many risks involved with property, but it's the education, understanding what it is, and then mitigating the risks. It's all, you know, light, it's all fairly straightforward. Fear is a whole different thing. Fear of failure, fear of, fear, fear of success, 
you know, the fears that come with, and very simply for me, for example, using you, you as an example, Richard, it's like, how would you like your life to feel? What would you like to do? We've had this conversation, yeah. you know, you want to do some more traveling and, you know, you've got a little one and yeah. having that freedom in your life, that brings up a lot of fear because we're not taught that you can have what you want, that you deserve to live an amazing, happy, abundant life. So there can be fears coming up with that because probably in childhood, we were told not to be greedy and to be a good little girl or boy and to do as we were told and to do what authority wanted us to do. And this is really going against authority. You know, know, there's the 99% which are the employed and the self-employed, then the 1% and it's, it's a whole different box that you're in as a property investor. So there can be a lot of fear and limiting beliefs that come up and then it manifests as I don't have the money. And in fact, is it that you don't have the money or is it that there's the fear of something going on? Because actually you can raise the money. It's also understanding once you, you go into it more, you can raise the funds to do property knowing how you're going to pay it back. You have extra exit plans in case something doesn't go according to plan. You can have all that beautifully and then have everything in place ready to go, but there's something inside you that stops you. Wow. Okay. Mm. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Okay. The end. You're, you're correct. <laughs> uh, but that, so, yeah. but I would lead on to so what? What is not what's the solution, but what's the best way to have all of that going on? Because we're not going. Yeah. Oh, I just won't have any fear then, and we're not going. Oh, I just won't worry about borrowing money, you know, or um, <laughs> yeah, because they're know. still there. The fears are still there. Exactly. So you just got to work around them, haven't you? So that that yeah. does bring us on to kind of the, the the second half of this that you were saying that okay, so if if money is, I think money will generally be one of the bigger hurdles yeah. for most people. Yeah. You know, I don't have enough money, etc. So the second part that we were going to talk about is, so how, if you've got no money, how the hell do you buy a house? Mm. Yeah, sounds crazy, doesn't it? How do you buy a house if you have no money? (laughs) How's that work? (laughs) So basically, you can choose strategies. The the short answer is you can choose strategies. And maybe we can do a whole podcast on this, like, you know, do it, you know. You can choose strategies where you don't need money. So for example, you could do rent to rents, which is one of the strategies we do. So if you don't have any money, um, in fact, actually, yeah. So if you don't have any money, you can rent a house from a landlord and then rent it out for more money. So you can either rent it from landlord and rent it as a buy to let, so it's passive income. And you're making some some money from the yeah. dif- uh, the difference, but you're not getting the capital uplift because you're not owning the property. Yes. So it's still the passive income, but you're just not getting the capital uplift. But the money that you need is you need uh, usually one month's rent to be able to rent from the landlords because you're you're having to put the money down to get the property and then soon mm-hmm. afterwards you'd rent, you'd get that money back again. So you do need some money in between. Maybe there's landlords that would be okay with you because you could actually, sorry, I'm, I'm processing as That's I'm going. Right. <laughs> you could in theory say, I want to have this property and I'll rent it in a month's time, then go and find your own tenant and they coincide on the same day. So in theory, you could do it with no money down. Yeah, uh, I'd not thought of that. That's right, good there you know. go. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't usually need a deposit because it's a management agreement. It's not a tenancy agreement. Oh, okay, yes. Some landlords, I mean, so I know some people with rent to rent do offer a, t- uh, a deposit. Um, I'm not necessarily against offering a deposit, but usually I'm like, there's a slight issue. It's going down a bit wormhole. There's a slight issue because there's not a tenancy agreement. I can't really go into a deposit protection scheme. Okay. So yes. there's stuff there. So that's why I prefer not to. And also mm-hmm. we, you know, I don't know. But you can, in theory, 
do rent to rent, but you're not buying houses, but you're getting a passive income. The other thing you can do is you can do lease options, which is basically where you're, so it's usually with people who want the property gone, like what, like maybe a retiring landlord, someone who's emigrating, um, and they just want the property gone, but they don't necessarily necessarily need the money now. And the idea would be that you'd say, well, I'll take ownership of the property and we'll have a contract in place that's done through solicitors that says, I will buy the property from you at some point in the future for a price that we fix now. So for example, you could say, I wanna buy the property from you in two years time for hundred grand is always my example. And then two years time, the idea is that that property might hopefully will go up in value. And then you can either flip the property. So it's maybe worth 110 then, and you can sell property, make 10 grand profit, Mm -hmm. or you can buy the property and you're basically buying it below market value, or you can sell the option on to someone else if you don't want to buy it yourself. So it depends in two years, maybe you you then have enough money to buy it outright, uh, not outright, right. but you have enough money to put down the deposit. Yeah. If not, you have other options. So in the meantime, you can get an income from it, knowing that although you don't physically own it, you have a contract so you yeah. can buy it. Okay, so, but again, that <laughs> but that sounds wonderful again. Yeah. Where the, where do you find these people? <laughs> it, it sounds like you're just shopping, <laughs> shopping in some place where there's just like people lined up saying, yeah, take my property. Is, again, it, the where key, do you go? <laughs> Honestly, the key is understanding what's in it for the other person. Yeah. Rent to rent, most landlords are accidental landlords, don't actually want to necessarily deal with tenants. Don't There's a lot of regulation that comes with it. So the idea, so most landlords dream is to get a nice income, but be truly hands-off, mm-hmm. truly passive income. So if you go in and say, you don't have to deal with anything, I that we're a professional company, it's a long-term contract. So if you're entering, it's like a you know three or five year contract, you'll be truly hands off. Also, we do it, we don't do it as a buy set, we do it as Airbnb. So every time there's a guest that comes to stay, the house gets cleaned, it's kept immaculate. So we're gonna rent the property from you and in three years time, we'll give it back in better condition that you've given it to us. You won't have to deal with any kind of letting agent or tenant and any minor repairs we will make. All right. They love it. So you go direct to landlords. <laughs> Basically, there's loads of websites like Open Rents, Facebook Marketplace, Gumtree, where dr- landlords post privately, yeah. set up notifications. So as soon as the landlord drops a post saying that they've got property for rent, get on the phone, organize the viewing, and just explain to them what you're doing. Be open and honest and authentic about it. Be clear why it's beneficial. If they say no, they say no. It's not a problem. But if they say yes, then you've got your property. And it's the same thing with lease options. And with lease options, it's interesting because it's normally the properties that are up for sale and rent that you can, you know, kind of look for. You can go through estate agents, you can go through letting agents, but to be honest, I don't bother. I go direct to landlord or I go direct to vendor. You can also do some proactive marketing. You can put stuff on Facebook Marketplace looking specifically for people, you know, that would just want the house gone. And also with lease options, you can potentially offer an increased value. So if the property's worth 100 grand now, you can say, well, I'll buy it from you for 110 in two years time, if you think the market is gonna be yeah. higher. So there's there's quirks with this lease option. There's things like lease options. You have the option, but not the obligation to buy it. So there's quirks with both of these, but broadly speaking, I'm talking very broadly speaking, you need to do your due diligence and research as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of finding them, it's uh, it's it's no, again, it's the expertise. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you could probably go out and learn this yourself, but it's much easier, you know, talking to someone like me. Well, this, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> this is, again, this is what, you know, between both of us, we're hoping that this podcast will provide. <laughs> Yeah, a place where you can just start episode one, and you're going to hear all the strategies, all the ideas, where to go, and then hopefully you'll be able to follow, follow me as I'm learning, 
and I will be investing. So yeah. you can hear you can hear where I am now. You know, as you, if you listen to this, you know, on the right time, then you know I've got I've got nothing. I, I don't own any properties or anything. So by the end of all this, you should be able to follow me and see what I've done. If, so yeah. if you've never done it yourself, then this is the perfect opportunity to learn from Anna, learn all this amazing knowledge, and then listen to me as I bumble my way through. <laughs> Uh, and go to the point where we all do that we all bumble our way through even i do i still do and that's the thing you don't become you yeah you maybe get better skills you know a bit more about it but there's still stuff that i'm still learning and fumbling Mm. with we started the airbnbs a couple of years ago we're still bumbling through i say we (laughs) drew's much better than me but we're still bumbling through it so be be comfortable bumbling like that's part of being a business owner property investor absolutely and embrace um, your bumblingness. One thing I was just going to say, actually, because we coming full circle back to you, the other thing you can, because we've talked about lease options and uh, mm-hmm. rent to rent, the final thing that I just want to quickly cover is angel investors, because it's the thing I talk about the most, and people yes. are just, <laughs> I don't know, uh, confused and inspired in <laughs> equal measures, I think. But we've always used angel investors. So we have people that invest, like basically lend us money, we go and buy properties, we buy properties cheap, so we go direct to vendor and we get a we offer them a guaranteed sale in return for a bit of a discount. Mm-hmm. We then renovate the properties, sometimes not even doing the whole thing ourselves. We'll potentially rent to tradesmen and give them free rent in return to finish off the renovation because they can do it basically for next to nothing. And then we leave them in an uplifting market till the point where we can refinance the properties to pull all the initial money back out again that we borrowed from the angel. And then we pay the angel back with some interest. So they're, what they're getting is they're investing, getting a better rate of return than they would at the bank. Um, and they're investing property, which they're looking to do anyway. And the thing with angel investors, it's not someone that you're not twisting their arm. They have money in the bank. They want to invest in property. They just don't want to do it. Like, you know, don't want to deal with like tenants sure. or don't know how to do it, things like this. And it works so well because it means we can buy properties, pay them back, and then the property's ours, we get a nice income from it, but they're getting a good rate of return. And the thing I think that surprises people is that angels are everywhere, like absolutely yeah. everywhere. And if you read um, The Millionaire Next Door, the book The Millionaire Next Door, you'll understand why most people who have money are just low-key, under-the-radar individuals living in the normal houses that have money. So if you go seeking money, if you go asking people that you think look rich, they normally don't have the money to invest. It's the shrewd investors. And that's why I don't look for angels. I attract them and I share and shine. I share what I'm doing and I trust that the right people will come across my path at the right time. So I've had... I had a holistic business owner, forest school teacher. I've had an IT worker. You know, they've been two of the best examples of how anyone can attract an angel. I reckon one in four to one in seven people in your direct network has enough, could be a potential angel, are looking to invest. Remember, this is them looking to invest. We get asked if people can be our angels. We don't ask people to be our angels. And this can, and this does happen. I teach this and this happens. I've had like clients and students of mine that have manifested angels. Um, and that beauty of that is then it's, you don't need your own money. And we've built our entire portfolio using angel investors. That's amazing. Um, and that is accessible and free to everyone. And it's nice as well. It's like dealing direct with vendor, dealing direct with landlords, dealing direct with an angel instead of the bank. I mean, we yeah. do still use mortgages, but it's nice having a person to be working yeah. with. Do, do you, you know? do you ask, do you have, um, have one angel for one property or do you would you take three four angels that have got you know 20 grand each or, or do you try and keep it to one 
That's really interesting because I went a different direction with that question. Because when we started, we were when we had our we because we bought three we had three offers accepted in the first three months, and then soon after we had a fourth once I lost my job just to make sure for the flipping. And when we were starting, because we were seeking angels at that point because that's what we were taught so we raised like we needed like I think it was 30 grand for the first property so we found 30 grand from one angel um and then the second one it was the same thing we found like the the like 30 40 grand from the second angel and then and that's how we did it so we were like we have one property this is how much we need for the deposit renovation fees etc so we'd find an angel because we were were, because it was 20 or 30 grand we're angel we're angel (laughs) we were able to use one angel now it's completely different. Now I, I t- typically manifest a hundred grand or more. If I have an angel say, can I be an angel? Can we start with a hundred grand? I had one chap want to start with 750 grand, which which did take me by surprise. That yeah, was a you... forest school teacher, by the way. This is what I mean. What? Like you can't, don't imagine you know who has money in the bank because this was a really rugged, lovely forest school, very chilled, very spiritual guy. Wow. And I ended up saying, how, how do you have this much money? And it turns out he, years ago, he had a, there, there was a family business that he helped grow and then they sold. So that's why he was a forest school teacher because he didn't have to worry about money. And oh. I was like, well, there you go. There you go. So don't project your own expectations. Yeah, people. yeah. Um, so no, now it's now it's the case of we, we, you know, raise the money and then we can choose what we do with it. So in, in fact, it's the opposite. We tend to have one angel that will buy more than one house. Okay. Uh, but starting out 100%, like if you're, if you're attracting angels that are giving you 10, 20, 30 grand but you need more than that then i would happily i would mix and match without a doubt okay all right well um, we'll, do, we'll do a full episode on angel investing and yeah because there's so many avenues and <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do more detail on all, all of these subjects we'll, we'll dive into specifically um i think that gives a nice overview of a couple of the strategies you can use definitely it's fun i like to i'm loving this talking about how because it, it's such a big thing it's such a big barrier that people think i can't do it because yeah and it's like come talk to me yeah. well <laughs> again to me. but it's infectious your energy and and enthusiasm for the subject is just it, you know it's instant and, you know and yeah it, just talking to you for well, half an hour now you know i'm like okay right i need let's go i want to start something it, it, do you it's know, infectious also like it's funny you should say that i spoke to someone yesterday and he was like i get it I love property. I get that I can retire. He's like, I've spoken to some people. He's like, he's got his angels lined up. They're phoning him, chasing him, going, when can we start? Can I send you the money? I was like, <laughs> I had the opposite. I was like, oh my God, I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> like, yeah. It is. It does it, is. it does make a big difference having that enthusiasm. Um, yeah. And feeling inspired. Feeling inspired to do it will really help to take that first step, Definitely. without a doubt. Yeah. And I'm sure pe- when people are listening to this, they're going to be hearing your enthusiasm. I can see the enthusiasm, but I'm sure <laughs> hearing it is just as uh, as infectious. Um, yeah. And hopefully throughout this series that we're going to um, encourage some other yeah. people to invest. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. It's exciting. Right. Okay. So that is a wonderful overview of, of how, why you should get started in property and uh, a little a little snippet into some of the strategies you can use with Zero money, which I can't believe. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we will dive into those those subjects in a lot more detail in, in the future of the podcast. We just wanted to give you an, an overview of, uh, I say we, like I had any <laughs> input there. Uh, no, we, uh, you're we... a valuable part of it, Richard. <laughs> yeah, I was here just listening going, yeah, mm-hmm, like everybody else. But So that hopefully that gives you a nice overview of how you can get started. If you want to ask any questions about 
any specifics about so if you've got a question in angels or if there's a subject you want Anna to really dive into then don't forget to email um what is your email again Anna, <laughs> Anna at annapierce.com well it couldn't be easier could it okay again <laughs> links will be in the show notes for that um so next episode episode three which again will already be up if you're listening to this so well done to you for jumping on early uh <laughs> will be the seven steps you can use nope i've got that wrong anna what is the next episode <laughs> it's the seven well it is like seven <laughs> steps to get started with property investing okay so we're going into the practical stuff now mm. so again like i said the theory is wonderful i understand most of the theory what are the actual steps you can use to get started? So that is going to be a fascinating one. And I'm going to have tons of questions. So you better watch out. Probably going to be a long episode. Um, and of course, after that episode, there's no reason, Richard, why you can't start sharing your journey. Because <laughs> well, you will, of course, take the action steps. <laughs> yeah, of course I will. Straight away. Uh, so episode four will be uh, me putting an offer in. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's going to be a really, really cool episode. I'm really looking forward to that one uh, personally. Um, and hopefully... Everybody's enjoying the uh, the journey that we started. So I am. Awesome. I, I definitely am. I, Thank I, you I know, so I much, love it. Richard. Yeah, me talk, too. I could, I'm I could loving just talk it. For a, I could just talk for hours. And this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you, Anna, again for joining joining me on this. Episode three will already be up. And until next week. Absolutely. Goodbye. See you then. Thank you so much, Richard. And Cheers, see Anna. you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.